TheOAMNetwork.com. Power to the podcast. For the love of God. For the love of God. For listening to the For the Love of God podcast. Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download and 30 day free trial at www.audibletrial.com forward slash OAM. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. To download your free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com forward slash OAM. Again, that's audibletrial.com forward slash OAM for your free audiobook. We have a great show for you today. We're talking faith and finance, and we have a great guest to talk about it the generosity and stewardship pastor at the Life Church, Travis Moody. Well, I say the probably the biggest frustration as a stewardship and generosity pastor is, um, and it's I guess the the positive side of it and the negative side. The positive side, the people who come and ask for advice are typically people who are well off financially. The people who are struggling financially, I don't get as much request for advice from that group, and that's the frustrating. Stay tuned after the episode to hear a bonus clip from our sister podcast in the own network, The Rockcast. And this week they're continuing a conversation on religion with none other than the host of For the Love of God, me, Sean Mosley. Enjoy the show. For the Love of God, we're here today at the Live Church of Memphis, 1800 North Germantown Parkway, the Cordova campus. With uh, Travis Moody, pastor of stewardship and generosity. Uh, he's also president and founder of the Loma Group. It's a consulting organization providing strategic stewardship and faith-based financial coaching to churches, individuals, and organizations. Uh, he recently started a blog, Travis Moody Senior. That's TravisMoodySR.com. Well, a great blog I was looking at. Uh, and he also has a book out and one to come. The first book is Financial Breakthrough, God's Plan for Getting Out of Debt, and the forthcoming book, Winning, A Guide to a Life of Peace and Purpose. Thanks for being on. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Uh, so let's start off with, are you from Memphis? Yeah, I'm a native Memphian, grew up in South Memphis, went to Hamilton High School. Hey. Yeah. Hamilton Tigers? <laughs> no, Wildcats. Oh, I was close. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Were you um, raised in uh, religion or raised in a specific type of? Yeah, I grew. I grew up in a Christian home. Went to mm-hmm. a uh, Baptist church growing up. Both uh, family very involved in church. Also, born and raised in church. Yes, born and raised in church. Uh, who are the important people in your life? Uh, obviously, my my parents very yeah. impactful. I grew up with a great family, uh, great father and mo- mother, both in the household. A lot of great uncles. Uh, coaches played sports. Uh, mm-hmm. Coaches at Hamilton. Coach uh, coaches in college, 
and uh, and just a lot of great men who've just coached me through life. So, what is a, a stewardship and generosity pastor? Yeah, that's a good question because there's not a whole lot of us in Memphis. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but basically, my my role is to uh, to help uh, people in our that, that attend our church um, really just become free of their financial worries. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are a lot of people who are just stressed out about money, um, whether it's debt or just worried about their jobs and not having enough savings. And so, um, my my role is how, how do I help people become financially free? And uh, give them resources to make some of the, the major financial decisions that they make. How to buy a house, buy a car, all those things. Okay, so is that's a is that a big problem in in the church? Because you know you have some of these some preachers, or there was a season or a time when people were naming and claiming, it, and you can have all of these things, and it just seemed like you know they they tried to make it seem like it was just magic or whatever and as long as you came to church you were going to have all of these types of things well i mean the reality is 80% of people worry about money all the time mhm 80% so you know if, if 8 out of 10 people are coming and sitting in the pews worried about money and we got to do something about it we got to help them i mean our our role as pastors and leaders is how do we help people and um that, that's a big problem if 80% of the people are, are, fall, are falling into that. Yeah. So do I have to come to the church to get the same <laughs> uh, leadership and advice? No, it's, I mean, we have classes that are open to, to anyone. Awesome. Um, so, and, and, and we try to help other churches as well. We, we just really want to figure out how do we help people uh, become free to do uh, what they have in their heart to do. Mm-hmm. And, and money seems like a big, rolling, uh, big stumbling block for a lot of people. So what got you started in stewardship? And, and that's, that's a great question. I actually got into it because I was struggling myself financially. Okay. And uh, I guess uh, in 2000, my wife and I were struggling financially. We, we had, um, uh, you know, we were living in Seattle, moved to Atlanta. I, was work, I had finished my MBA, got a Duke MBA, and I was working for a company where I was um, working in mergers and acquisitions. I was buying companies and selling companies. Mm-hmm. And uh, I had an idea that, man, I, I can do this for myself. So yeah. I found a company to buy in Atlanta uh, and, you know, put together a deal to buy this company. And I I, I, I bypassed all of the, the signals and signs from God saying, this is not what I want you to do. But I, was, I said, God, I got money in my pocket and I got an MBA. I got this. Mm-hmm. And so we went after this deal. Long story short, at the end of it, um, we, we spent all our money in it. Uh, we we had over a hundred thousand dollars in debt, and on top of it, we had bought this huge house in Atlanta that now we couldn't afford. Yeah. And so here we are in a going from a pretty good financial situation to a bad one within months. Mm-hmm. So we got into it, you know. And I've been going to uh, to church all my life, and hearing how God was going to bless me and things were going to work out for my good. And uh, here I was struggling financially. Yeah. Uh, so I went to a period. I was embarrassed. I was ashamed, um, and it was the, f- you know, it was the first time I had a conversation with my wife, and um, first time I saw her cry because of something I had done. Mm-hmm. So I, I felt, I mean, I felt like uh, I was mad at God for. I went a year struggling with why it happened to me, and um, you know, and my wife suggested that we go to this class to learn about finances, and I was thinking in my mind, why do I need to go to that class? All they're going to do is tell me I need to tithe. <laughs> and, you know, and but I went to that class and I found out that even though I had a Duke MBA, I was managing millions of dollars. Uh, 
Uh, I was even a head of the finance committee at church. Mm-hmm. I'd been at church all my life, and I knew nothing about money from God's perspective. Oh, I, really? only, I only knew it from the world's. Uh-huh. I thought, yeah, if I give God 10%, the other 90% is mine to do whatever I want. Yeah. And I found out that's not true. And no, I, no one had taught me how to handle the 90%. Uh-huh. And that is what got me in trouble. And so that's what we do is how do we, if you can't manage the 90%, the 10% is always going to be a problem if you okay. can't manage 90 So, I mean, what is the difference between, you know, um, like the 90% is mine. Right. <laughs> What's the difference? How am I supposed well, to handle it God's way? Like, well, all of it is God's. Okay. So our job is to be a good steward over what he gives us. Uh-huh. And so that means, you know, making decisions, well, how, how to buy a house, how, which car to buy. All those things are, that's the 90%. Okay. And so if you make a bad decision on buying a house mm-hmm. and a bad decision on buying a car and a bad decision on, on student loans and debt and credit card, if, if you're not taught, if no one is teaching you how to do, make those decisions, obviously you're going to struggle with the 10%. Okay. So I guess what I'm trying to say is, Let's flip it. What's the world's view like? Buy, buy, buy. The world's view, it, the world's priorities are this: is let me spend money on what I want. I want to shine. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I buy, I buy the biggest car, biggest house. Yeah, and then I borrow more. Okay, and Uncle Sam takes his, and if I have something left over, I pay my debts. And mm-hmm. in, in the back of my mind, if I'm and and with the world's priorities, I'm thinking if I had more money, I would save it. Yeah, and if I had more money, I would give it to the church. Mm-hmm. But that's the world's way. And and God's way is very different. God's way is you give first. Okay. It says to honor the Lord from the first. And then you save. Mm-hmm. That's God's way. You give and then you save. You pay you pay taxes. It says give Caesar what belongs to Caesar's. And then you pay your debts. You owe no man but to love him. And then you're free to spend what's left. Okay. But see, most people are like, if I do that, I won't have enough. <laughs> <laughs> and that's true. Yeah. You never have enough. Because... Your wants always be bigger than the money that you have. Okay. So how did you come out of the, the massive debt that you had? So we went to that class, and we put together a plan, and we were able to pay off $100,000 of debt in, in three years. Awesome. Yeah, we were, in, we, had, we were paying over $1,200 a month in just interest alone. Hmm. And so we only had, a, we had an extra $50 to put toward the principal of the debt. So we were, we were looking at our situation and thinking, Man, $50, it's going to take us, it should have taken us 22 years to get out of it. Yeah. But, man, we were able to pay off in, in three years. Mm-hmm. Well, we, we found, man, if we, when we follow the God's principles, I mean, just it's really practical principles of, of managing money, then it, it, it gives us a, a life of freedom. Mm-hmm. And if we had continued to follow the world's way, we, were still, we would still be paying off that debt. So what what are some of the sacrifices you had to make in order to get to that point? Well, there were a lot of them. We, uh, we ended up downsizing our home. Mm-hmm. We ended up, um, you know, I spent a period where I was taking my lunch to work instead of going out to eat. Um, you know, my wife was a stay-at-home mom. She continued to be a stay-at-home mom during those mm-hmm. times. We, we thought that that was something that was important for us. Um, but, man, we just sacrificed. We stuck. We had to stick to a budget, you know, where people who worked for me were – Making a lot less, they were going out to eat for lunch. I had to stay in, and 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 that's, you know, that's a small sacrifice when you think, man, now I'm 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 free. Mm-hmm. And uh, mo- what we found is just most people aren't willing to make any of those sacrifices. So yeah, like some people would say, well, 
Travis, you got an MBA and all this other stuff, and, and but you're saying that anybody can do it. Yeah, we've been we've been money coaches for uh, ever since then. So I guess what, 15 years, mm-hmm. and we've never seen anybody who's followed these principles take longer than three years to get out. Mm-hmm. Now we've seen a lot of people not get out of debt, <laughs> but I mean, if, if depending not depend regardless on what income you have, we've seen people. If you stick, if you stick to it, it shouldn't take more than three or four years to be debt free. Awesome! I want to be debt free. <laughs> <laughs> you can be okay, but that's why we do this. Man. It is not fun being in debt. Is not fun, and. And the trick is we think we're increasing our lifestyle. Mm-hmm. And we, we're, we're thinking we're doing, we're making our life better by going into debt, only to find that that, that lifestyle controls us. Yeah, it, it dictates what we do. It dictates what time we get up in the morning. It dictates what we do all day long. It tells us where to go. And it's money is not a, a, a good master. Yeah, borrowers is a slave to the lender. That's exactly right. Yeah. Uh, so why is... Uh, tithing and giving important like somebody can be in debt and say I mean maybe it's important for me to keep that <laughs> that 10% or that whatever I would have gave for myself and I can pay off this debt even faster if I just keep my 100% and we holler at God later <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, a, that's a good point I, and I've heard a lot of people say do that and say that uh, again I've been a coach for, for 15 years uh-huh I've never seen anybody get out of debt that way. Okay. I've never, not once has a person got out of, that I've seen a person get out of debt that mm-hmm. way. Yet, when when people put their, their faith in, okay, I'm going to follow God's plan, I'm not, I've not seen one of them not get out of debt in three or four years. Mm-hmm. And so, so yeah, I usually tell people, it's it's just a matter of, of who you trust. Is it? If you trust that you, you can manage, you can do better with 100%, then don't tithe is it like a discipline thing or something like that? Well, it's a well, it's more of a priority. Mm-hmm. It's like, I mean, who do you, and who are you putting your faith in? Okay. See, for a long time, I put my faith in me. I, I, I'm thinking, okay, I got a degree. I got, I have money. It's, it's I got this. Mm-hmm. And I had to learn that I don't got this. <laughs> you know, I had to put my faith in 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 following up in God's plan. Mm-hmm. So another question I have is. Why is tithing ten percent when like there's like I don't I don't believe there's anything in the New Testament that says that it should be ten percent and there's like other religions like I don't think I was talking to a Jehovah's Witness yesterday and they were telling me that he may have been wrong but they were telling me that they don't tithe and and I was talking to right. an Imam. Uh, from Islam, and they were telling me they only give that their minimum is two point five percent. Right, right. Why is it that that Christians are are ten percent? Well, first of all, the term tithe mm-hmm. means ten percent. Yeah. So when someone from another religion say that they they give something different, that it's a different terminology. Oh, they did call it right. They it, call it something else, Islam, which is everybody has a different belief, but the. The term tithe means 10%, just like a foot is 12 inches. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the same, regardless on if it's a foot in Africa is the same as a foot <laughs> in the U.S. It's 12, 12 inches. Yeah. So the, 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 the definition is the 10th part. Uh-huh. And it really is just, 
I mean, it really is just the, 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 a term that was uh, created in, in the Bible and, and, and um, that everyone understood what that was. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is actually in the New Testament. I mean, and Jesus confirmed tithing in, in uh, Matthew 23, 23. He, he addressed it and he said, yeah, you, could, you should tithe. But he said, there's more important things. Yeah. And the way he talked about it, it's, it was like tithing was not a big issue. Mm-hmm. I mean, every Jew did it. He was a Jew. He tithed. Every Jew did it. It was a part of the process. But the thing is, um, it was so insignificant. When Jesus spoke of it, it was so small. He said, there are bigger things. Yeah. I mean, just think about it, 10%. If, if, you, if your favorite store said, hey, we have a 10% off sale, would you run to them? You're, you're <laughs> like, that's not that big of a deal. Uh-huh. Right? Well, it's only a big deal if you're struggling with that, mm-hmm. you know, and, and so we don't, I don't spend a whole lot of, um, I don't really spend a whole lot of time talking about tithing. Yeah. Cause that's such a, you know, that's not a big part of what, what I, I talk about. It, it would be no different in prayer. Mm-hmm. I mean, prayer is a part of what we do as, as Christians. Yeah. It may not be in every religion, but it's a, if, if, if you know, if I said, man, let's, you know, I'm excited to go to, to church today and I'm going to pray. Mm-hmm. Nobody, that is not a big <laughs> deal. Right. Right. That's what that's what Christians do. Well, if when you finan- when you're financially free, giving is the same way. Mm-hmm. It's a part of. It's just like prayer. It's worship, reading the Bible, give. All of it is the same. Cool. So I know, like the Life Church is like big on doing things. I know you guys have um, a food ministry that you give to. Uh, kids who may be missing meals and mm-hmm. things like that. And there's a lot of things that you guys do. If I pay my tithes, does that exempt me from from service? Like I'm given to the church to help them serve. Does that exempt me from from any type of other service? I don't understand the question. So um so some places some some people look at there's your giving and then there's your actual service. Right. You're putting right. your hands right. to the plow. Right. Does yeah, my when, tithe and exempt me from from doing some service? Okay. So uh yeah. I guess the reason I didn't understand the question, it would be like because <laughs> it's, it's so alien to you. <laughs> yeah. It would be just like you asking me, Am I exempt from praying? But some people would say, like, I don't need to go in I don't need to give to the hungry or I don't need to do anything extra yeah. because I, I pay my tithes. Yeah. I give to the church. Well, well well here's the here's the thing is we don't give out of obligation. Mm-hmm. Just like we don't pray out of obligation. Or we don't serve out of obligation. We give because we feel it's a it, we get to do it. We it's a privilege for me to be able to partner with God in doing what he's doing in the world. Meaning if we're feeding kids, it gives it's a privilege for me to feed kids. Mm-hmm. It's a privilege for me to serve. It's a privilege for me to to be able to to help churches and and it's a privilege for me to give. I don't we don't have to give. I don't give out of obligation. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the that's if if you did, that wouldn't be freedom. Yeah. And that's what we're you know, what we're trying to do is help people become free. Financially free, free to serve, free to f- fulfill the purpose that God has put in their heart. Well, you can't do that when you're in bondage. And so that's our whole thing: is how do we, how do you, how do we help you live a life of freedom? Awesome. So, what does a, a life of freedom look like? 
Yeah. Well, financially, it would look like you're not worried about how you're going to pay your bills. Mm-hmm. If, if, if you, if, that's what financial freedom is. You're not worried. If you lose your, you lose your job, you know, you're not concerned about how you're going to continue the next few months. Okay. That would be freedom. You're not worried about what you're going to feed your kids, how are you going to live. That's, that's a place where we, we, we hope to, that people would, would get to. So what's the first thing that someone needs to know about being financially free? Or, like, wh- what is the goal that they should look forward to? Um, like, if I wanted to pay off my house, right. we may look at this thousands of, of yeah. debt. Well, but sometimes it may be right. too big for Good, me yeah. to look at it like that. What's yeah, in, in, in practical sense, practical terms, the first thing that we coach people to do mm-hmm. is to build at least a thousand dollars for emergencies okay okay the second thing is and these are probably work together is you have to have a written budget to follow mm-hmm. that's balanced so those are the two steps that we're like okay if you don't have a budget you're not going to be financially free mm-hmm. okay if you don't have money set aside for emergencies you're not going to be financially free because the minute something happens you're going to be in trouble Okay. So those are those are kind of the first two steps, even before starting to focus on paying off debt. If you don't have you, you got to have a budget that you're following mm-hmm. and money set aside for emergencies. OK. All right. uh, how in depth does that budget need to be? Like some people may say, I know what I spend. No, it's not good. <laughs> yeah, because if, if it's not written, it's not a budget. OK. Because you can't make decisions from it. And mm-hmm. it has to be. By categories. Okay, well, how much do you spend on food? And how much do you spend on uh, cable and your house and gas? And you got to have the categories. Mm-hmm. And so that's what we help people do first. It's like, how do you, you know, and most people, when you start that, they may not know. They may not know that they spend $300 a month at Starbucks. Mm. I mean, because if, if you just, you know, you spend $7 at a time, you don't, it adds up. And you, you think, well, it's just $7. And so... That's typically the first step is where where is the money going, mm-hmm. and um, you know how can you how can you plan that better? So, not having an emergency fund and not having a budget those are like the top two mistakes that you can make. Well, those are definitely yeah. If if you don't have that those those are those are big ones. Okay, uh, but but what's some what's another one that people may not really recognized at, at first. Yeah, the other one is around the spending and mm-hmm. the debt. So, again, those two come first, but then it's how do you manage debt? Okay. Um, but we typically try to help people make decisions around the house, the car, uh, try to give guidelines. You know, like, for instance, I, I suggest if you're, uh, your, your mortgage or rent shouldn't be more than 20% of your gross monthly pay. Okay. So that means if you... If your family earns five thousand a month, then if you had a mortgage or rent at a thousand dollars, you know that would that would be fine. Mm-hmm. If you earn five thousand and you had a car note of three hundred fifty, seven percent, that would be fine. Okay. But what we typically see is a person making five thousand and their car note is eight hundred, and that's gonna that that causes problems. Oh yeah. <laughs> they caught me on. <laughs> A eight hundred dollar car. <laughs> oh yeah, car I, I don't know why I would catch you off guard. I see it a lot. Really? Yeah, uh, yeah. Or if they're making thirty thousand with a six hundred dollar car, it's the same thing. 
Mm. I mean, God wants to bless us with nice things. Uh-huh. It's just that we have to uh, we have to manage what He gives us, and we can't uh, presume what's going to happen in the future. And and you know, it's not a blessing if when you get it, you worry every time the card note comes. That's that's not a blessing. True. And and God doesn't want us in that position. Uh, I believe like money is like one of the number one causes of marital disputes. Yes, yes. Uh, do you have any advice for couples trying to get on the on the same page? Yeah, I I I typically uh, recommend that they go through uh, one of our classes to get a budget because because if it's like what what a a. A spending plan helps you to have a vision of where you're going, and it gets you on the same page. and And it helps to have somebody else who's not attached mm-hmm. in it uh, to to go to as a resource. Mm-hmm. You know, sitting down with a money coach, sitting down with an advisor, somebody they're not attached to it. They could provide some guidance to say, "Well, this is a little bit too much, or this fits into your budget." So, yeah, I guess that would help too with a a husband or a wife. That's trying to drag <laughs> the well, other person into yeah. financial freedom. Well, yeah, because it's usually one of the in, – in each couple, at least most of the couples I've seen, one is good with spending and another is good at saving. Uh-huh. And and so there's always conflict. You know, yeah. there's one is good with handling money and the other one's not. Yeah. And I'm, I'm not good at saving, but I'm just good at not spending it. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good. So – and so what we we try to do is help couples. How do you how do you get a plan, and then give you some? Uh, we give some guidelines. So how do you manage that plan? Awesome. So how do you balance? Um, you know, the, the scripture says that the love of money is the root of all evil, and things like that. How do you balance? You know, not loving money, but using money as a tool to be successful. All right. Well, that's exactly right. It, I mean, it didn't say that money is the root of all evil. It says the love, the of love it. of money. So yeah. it's it's our attitude toward money, mm-hmm. and that, that is the thing that we try to financial freedom is you can't love money because mm-hmm. you'll never have enough of it. You know, we we I mean, God created us with this 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 void inside of us, and all of us have it. He knows it, he he knows it's there because he created us, and we spend our whole life trying to fill it. We think, man, if I can just live in this house, I'll be happy. If I could just drive this car or if I could get this degree. But none of those things can satisfy us. Yeah. And 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 God tells us that, you know, he He, he challenges us and says, why do you waste your time on your work on what doesn't satisfy you? Mm-hmm. He, he wants to be what we chase after. Yeah. And so when he's a priority, all those other things are okay. Mm-hmm. You know, God, he, he's just like any other father. Fathers love to bless their children, mm-hmm. but what they want is they want their children to, to love. He he wants his child to love him. Yeah. And so when we put God first, everything else is fine. Yeah. Uh, I think it's a scripture that says that um, don't set your affections on set your affections on things above, not things right. below. And it's something else about uh, things that that. Thieves can steal right. and moss and it can rust. <laughs> That's exactly right. In yeah. any any time, people who are not financially free, it 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 all boils all of the concerns about finances and money and how the church and all, it all boils down to them having a love for money. Mm-hmm. If you boil it down to 
you know, why are you, what, what's the question? What, why are you concerned about, you know, the, the tithing and all those things? It's like, it's, it's because I love money. I don't want you to, I, I, I want, I, I want it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love it. And, and we try to help people become financially free. So not loving money is a part of being right. financially free. Right. And I, now, again, the things that, that money is great. I mean, it allows us to do a lot of things. Mm-hmm. And it allows us to, I mean, we couldn't feed those kids without money. Yeah. You know, I, and, and we have nice things. I, I have a nice home and a nice car. I mean, I love those things. It's not those, that's the lifestyle that we have. It's fine. I love it. Right. But those things don't take a priority over God. Yeah. Uh, no, another question. Is gambling a sin? Well, here's the thing about um, gambling or anything that the Bible t- encourages not to speculate on highly risky investments. Okay. You know, it, it talks about the, um, you know, not cosigning, not investing in, you know, uh, making unwise investments. Mm-hmm. And um, gambling, if, if the odds aren't very good working in our favor. <laughs> They're not. Right. So if it, it, the Bible talks about making wise investments. Mm-hmm. Uh, and wise investments is, you know, there are scriptures that talk about diversifying your investments. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so if you, it wouldn't even be wise for you to go out and buy uh, a thousand shares of any company stock. Because mm-hmm. if that's all that you're investing in, that wouldn't be very wise. What the Bible is saying is you ought to diversify over six, six or seven different, seven, eight different investments. Mm-hmm. That's a good investment. Um, and so that's what I, we encourage people. I mean, people come to us all the time about investment ideas. I, I got this, this deal here. This guy's presented to me. It's a no lose situation. And I'm thinking, ah, there's no such thing. <laughs> and so really we just try to encourage people to make wise investments. And, we, and, and that's part of, part of our role. You know, my, that's part of my role as a stewardship pastor is how do I help people? Not only teach them about what investments are about, but how do I help them be able to process those decisions on their own? Great. So the name of the show is For the Love of God. You can interpret that two different ways as either joy or something that frustrates you. Is there anything that uh, frustrates you with religion? Well, I say the probably the biggest frustration as a stewardship and generosity pastor is um, – and it's, I guess the, the positive side of it and the negative side. The positive side, the people who come and ask for advice mm-hmm. are typically people who are well off financially. Okay. The people who are struggling financially, I don't get as much request for advice from that group. And that's oh. the frustrating. I, and I love, I mean, you know, I'm, I, people who are business owners and they're making, want to make a decision and they want advice. Or so how do I do this? Or they, you know, they want, they're, they're asking great questions. I love that as a part of my role. Because those, I mean, those, I love dealing with the people who are financially free and wealthy. But, man, I, I, there's so many people who are struggling financially that need the same same advice that don't reach out for it. Mm-hmm. I mean, we have, a, we have a class coming up June 8th starting. And typically the people who come to that class will be people who are pretty off, well off financially. Okay. They want the financially free people are always asking. They're always learning. They want more. They want to learn more about finances. That's probably why they're financially well off. Yeah. But the pe- people who are struggling as much, um, I typically don't, you know, hear, get, I won't, that person doesn't reach out as often. Yeah. 
Uh, sometimes I, I grew up poor, and so sometimes when it comes to finances, it's like out of sight, out of mind, <laughs> and uh, I don't have to worry about it. <laughs> um, is that something that you see a lot? Um, like people, they just want to let me just ignore this. Let me. Yes, I do see that a lot. Yeah, that um, people just think it's so bad off. There's no sense in me doing anything. Yeah, there's a reason why we we try to continue to 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 uh, present opportunities for people and encourage people to love on people. We do it in a non-judgmental way. We don't, you know, we don't make it be little people because of the decisions. Obviously, I mean, I went, I made bad decisions too. So I think God gave me more compassion for people who are struggling with um, making bad financial decisions. But, but that's, that would probably be the frustration is how do we get more, how do we reach more people? Cause we know there are more people who need it. Mm-hmm. Are you thankful for what you've been through? That it gives you this experience that you yeah. can tell people. Yeah, I believe this was part of this. This gave me this ministry, mm-hmm. and obviously, no one wants to go through a bad financial situation. But, um, but I'm so glad that that uh, I have that perspective that can that I can help people. Awesome. Uh, is there any questions that you thought I would ask you that I didn't ask? No, I just I just hope you know your your, your listeners would people would would check out our, my blog at uh, travismoodysenior dot com and uh, look for my book that's coming out. Winning uh, should come out in in June, and I'm just excited about that. Awesome. We look forward to talking to you again when when your book comes out. Be my pleasure. Thanks for being on. Thank you. Thanks Thank you. for having me. For the love of God. Thanks for listening to For the Love of God. You made it this far. I really appreciate it. Uh, listen to this clip from the Rockcast hosted by Aaron Alexander. Uh, he interviews me uh, about religion. And this is just a small clip. Go over to his show, therockcast.com, and listen to the full episode. For the love of God. In general, most people have some something something in them that's against either religion in general mm-hmm. or or a singular religion what would you say to them based on your experience in talking to all those different people of those religious backgrounds um you're right <laughs> there's something to dislike <laughs> yeah uh religion is not uh is mm. <sighs> The reason, one of the reasons why I did the podcast is because I I noticed like uh, religion is like incorporated in a lot of stuff. There's a difference between, in my opinion, between having a relationship with God and doing religion. Religion is like the ritual. It's like the things you do. We're, we go to church on Sunday. We pray this many times. We in in saying that I have to do it this way over and over and over and over again. Uh, to me, those things are the things that really mess up religion because you have to have someone who says like these other things. And then if someone says that this is the way that it needs to go, then you also have someone that, that comes along and says that this thing needs to be policed. And uh, that that's the thing that that really kills it and then the more the more policing the more someone says you have to do it this way it's the more it it, it takes you away from the actual spiritual and connection with god and that was the reason why you were doing it in the first place 
Like, this is the reason why you, you were doing it in the first place. Uh, when you were a kid, you probably love going to school. Like, I love going to school. We go there. There's other kids there. We play. We may learn a few things. But the more you went to school, the more rules were imposed upon you. Now you got to learn how to line up. Now you got to be there on time. Now you got to read so much and, and, and it begins to take away from, you know, your original enjoyment of the thing. And, and that thing is called religion. <laughs> religion sucks the joy out of everything. But at the same time, you know, some people need guidelines. And I think it's mostly that, that policing thing where other people want to police you and other people want to say that you're not doing it right or you need to do it my way and this is the only way, that's when things get messed up and that's when things get confused. And that's the 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 thing I would say like, yeah, just get rid of <laughs> get rid of religion. Um whatever works for you, that's what you need to do. For the love of God. Thanks for listening to For the Love of God podcast. For more info, follow us on Twitter at the number four, the love of God underscore. Find us on Facebook. If you have any questions or concerns, you can send those to for the love of God dot podcast at gmail.com. This podcast is a joint production with the OM Network. For more information and other great podcasts, go to the OM Network.com.